0: Podcast. I'm your host, Katherine Singer. I'm a Christian writer and blogger living in the beautiful state of Alaska. I'm also a trauma survivor and a mental health advocate. I've been through some tough things in my life, and I'm sure you have too. Grace Moments is about helping you hold on to belief in your darkest hours, embrace hope by knowing your suffering is never wasted, and be inspired by the stories of others who have survived their own tragedy Life, however difficult, can be a meaningful journey, and I'm here to walk it with you. So let's do this together. Hey, happy Valentine's Day to you all out there. I was kind of figuring out what to post today that might suit the occasion on some level, and I've been living in a particular Bible passage that I think has some important stuff to say to us. In order to work through some growth issues of my own, I've been doing a lot of studying lately about relationships. And along the way, I've discovered something that I want to take a few minutes to share with you today. It comes from Paul's letter to the Ephesians and sets a tone for what I believe are thriving, healthy, and vibrant relationships. See, what I've come across in my digging recently is a realization that so much of the time, we interact on a superficial, horizontal level with one another. We speak to various differences or impose our expectations or create connection in some way based on an extremely human scale. We see each other and talk to each other and live with each other in ways that center around human thoughts and human behaviors and human standards because we are, well, human. This may seem like I'm stating the obvious here, but stick with me for a second. I don't think we realize how shallow and unspiritual most of our relationships really are. And unless we've somehow tasted what deeply authentic and God-oriented connections are supposed to be like, I think most of us operate on a level we feel is real and honest and loving and mature enough, but fail to notice how far we fall short of what God intends our interactions to be. And this discrepancy is most apparent when we match our lives against the truths and examples of scripture. For instance, Think about how the early church was described centuries ago in Acts chapter 4. For these early believers, fellowship and connection looked like being of one heart and soul. They were united and in agreement concerning their common values, goals, and Christian behavior. Their things were not their own. They willingly shared with and looked after each other as each had need. And they had everything in common. They were so consumed by their central mission of faith... They had no time to get bonked down in differences or distractions or relational confusion. God was the focus of all things they did, and that freed them up to be for and with one another all that God wanted them to be. I look at passages like this, and it makes me realize just how divided and distracted and destructive many of our relationships are. Now, this is not to say that there aren't some relationships that truly are toxic and should be distanced from or discontinued in some way. But how much of the time are we turning each other from allies into enemies or even just neglecting to be intentional with one another as God desires? Many mental health issues stem from dysfunctional relationships and sadly many of these can occur within religious circles where faith ought to be uniting people but instead is being weaponized against them and is tearing them apart. I know this because I've been on the receiving end of it as well as helped others heal from situations like this. It's a shameful yet true reality. And if we are to live out and put into action God's model for human interaction, this trend has to change. Now, today's episode isn't going to focus as much on the negative aspect of this issue. I've done some other podcast episodes about setting boundaries and speaking life instead of death over each other and knowing when to walk away and so many other things that pertain to certain parts of this. Rather, I want to focus on what we should be imitating, on who we should be imitating. Because at the end of the day, what we most concentrate on and emulate is who and what will become. So with that being said, let's dive into Ephesians three fourteen through 19 and Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church and glean some truths on what we ought to be speaking of and desiring for one another. In the previous verses leading up to the passage, Paul has been talking about the adversity he's undergone for the sake of the gospel and the spiritual benefit of these believers. He speaks specifically about the boldness and access with confidence that we have through our faith in Christ and begins this specific point by saying, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Essentially, Paul is saying that since he is confident of his access an open invitation to come before God with boldness and prayer, he is now offering and has been offering prayer for these believers whom he loves, interceding for their growth and strength. May it be duly noted here that most of us don't demonstrate even a sliver of this kind of devoted intercession for the people in our lives. We may pray for them regarding personal requests or needs, but to really earnestly and consistently keep them in mind and intercede for them regularly— Yeah, most of us don't do that. And it's sad because if you think about it, prayer is so easy and simple. We can offer up these intercessions anywhere at any time, but so much of the time we're either too busy, too distracted, or too consumed with our own affairs to take a moment to lift someone we love up in prayer. It doesn't even have to be some significant reason. It can even just be a prayer of blessing or a desire to see them grow or receive clarity in their life. If we're honest, it's hard to have dysfunction in a relationship when people are committed to praying for one another on a vulnerable and deep level. Prayer helps keep us out of the way and make more room for God. Paul also affirms our collective origin and belonging under God, from whom every family on heaven and earth derives its name. He emphasizes and appeals to their sense of family and unity. You all were created by God and for the glory of God, And you derive your identity and value from him. How many disagreements and issues simply stem from us forgetting who we are and who we belong to? How many times do we clash among ourselves because we're trying to derive our name from something or someone other than our creator? All of us have within us some part of the image of God. And the more we honor that within each other, the more the God in me speaks to the God in you, the easier it is to have peace among each other and to also help one another remember who we really are and who we belong to when we forget. Having laid the groundwork for why he is praying for them and that he is praying for them as beloved family under the headship of Christ, Paul now begins to express what he is praying for and desiring for these Ephesian believers, and by extension, us. First, that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit, in your inner being let's take this apart a little bit out of his glorious riches do you believe your god has enough this may sound like a really silly question but seriously do you believe there is enough of god and in god sometimes i think we lose sight of the abundance of god's available provision both for ourselves and for those we care about we see needs and desires and challenges in our lives And gets so wrapped up in how we're looking at the situation that we forget just how vast are the resources from which we have to draw and god can supply us with all we could ever need or want god has made accessible to us and is more than willing to offer to us in limitless fashion and the bold and confident access we have through our faith that paul spoke of earlier is what opens the door to those endless storehouses of grace and love, and peace, and strength, and courage, and all the things that we run out of so quickly in our human condition. The more we believe in and access those glorious riches on a daily basis, the easier it is to trust God for what we or those we love may be lacking or needing at any time. There's less room for worry or anxiety on our part because we can remind ourselves that God knows just what to give and how to give it in the perfect timing and way. And he can never run out of anything, no matter how many times we keep coming back to him requesting more of it. That out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you. Again, you cannot outdraw God's available provision. Unlike a bank account that eventually runs dry, there is no end to God's ability to give you what you need to face what is in front of you every single day. In your humanness, yes, there will be times when you feel weak, and weary, and incapable of moving forward. There will be moments when the heaviness of life takes everything out of you, and you feel as though you're running through God's resources faster than you ever thought possible. But do you know what? God doesn't mind. At all. Seriously, God doesn't care about how often you keep coming back. Human strength will fail over and over again, but the strength of God? That gives you grace to endure and do which you could only dream of. It's supernatural, it's everlasting, and it's free. How would it change us if we prayed for one another that God would strengthen our hearts out of his glorious riches? What if we pictured the largest building ever, filled with rich and royal things, and realized that would only reflect a fraction of what's available to us in Christ? And what if we pictured that as we prayed for one another and asked God to help us through the Holy Spirit, access that availability in greater measure and not only this but that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being when christ ascended to heaven he kindly left us the gift of the holy spirit to minister to our inner being and to help us as only he can to cause our hearts to be open to the truth and to comfort us and even intercede for us when we are beyond able to do it for ourselves God's power flowing through His Spirit is what allows us to be encouraged and uplifted when we need it most. What a blessed comfort to know that God didn't leave us alone to figure this life out for ourselves. Even though I know we all have our moments when we forget this and try to do life on our own, it's a kindness of God that He knew we would need a bit of Himself within us to discern things and to guide and strengthen us along the way. Are you catching the progression here? Out of his glorious riches, he strengthens us with power through his spirit and into our inner being. He's provided for us beyond what we deserve. It shouldn't even be a question of whether God has enough or if God will tire of us drawing again and again on his resources. God delights to supply us with what we need. And he even thought ahead to give us his spirit even before he knew we would need that presence in our lives. And where does all of this lead and why is it necessary? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. The combination of God's glorious riches flowing to us through his strength and the power of his spirit leads us to a life ever expanding in faith and growing in space for God to dwell. For Emmanuel to become ever God with us, God for us, God in us. Perceived lack and resistance to draw from limitless resources leads us to a life lived out of weakness, neglecting the things necessary for Christ and his power to really have full reign in our hearts. We need to be both accessing this availability as well as praying for those around us to be accessing it as well. That Christ would be ever dwelling in their hearts through faith, That as they grow in trust and abide in in the strength given to them by God, they may find their lives expanding in room for God's presence. I love the word here, dwell. Definition puts it as to live or stay as a permanent resident. Reside, to live or continue in a given condition or state. That's how God wants to be with us. Not some visitor that comes and goes at leisure, but a permanent resident who lives in us and resides inside us. That means we need to be desiring that one another surrender more and more of ourselves to him daily. We need to be encouraging each other to do the hard work of letting go and leaving behind our old selves and putting on our renewed selves under the agency of the Holy Spirit. We have to want, both for ourselves and others, what John said of Christ when he stated, He must increase and I must decrease. Because that's the path toward allowing Christ to have greater access to our lives as we access in greater degree the grace and provision he gives us. Next, Paul lists off a few additional things he wishes for the Ephesians. One, that they would be rooted and established in love. Boy, we could spend a lengthy conversation just on what exactly this looks like in daily life for us, but may I just touch on this for a second? Love takes on many forms. The first Corinthians 13 passage is certainly a good place to start where Paul spells out what love is, that it's patient, kind, not boastful or self-seeking, not envious or proud, not easily angered, doesn't keep a list of wrongs, doesn't dishonor others or celebrate evil, but rejoices in truth, always protects, trusts, hopes, and perseveres. But how we live this out can sometimes be more complicated than we would initially think. It's a lot harder to make this a regular pattern that we anticipate because it's against our nature to desire or implement this. That's why we need Christ to be large and in charge in our lives, pouring into us out of his resources so we love like he loves and understand however limited what we're supposed to model based on what he displays for us. It takes hard work and patience and discipline to create a life where this kind of love is exhibited with some sort of regularity. Paul even gives the agricultural image of a tree or plant grounding itself into the soil so that it can hold up under the winds and storms that threaten it. That's what he says our love ought to be like. Immovable, unshakable, firmly established. And how is this remotely possible? Because that's the love of God that flows directly into us, making us a conduit for that love to others. Our love alone will fail every time. But God's love, which comes out of those glorious riches, once again, is for forever, unfailing. Paul also prays that these believers would be granted the ability, along with all of God's people, to grasp the vastness of this love we've been talking about. In his words, how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. The more you begin to rest in and understand the expanse of God's love for you, the more you want to give it away and also desire that others know that same love. I love how Paul doesn't just say he wants them to get how much God loves them. Even though that's what he means, he goes further by using these measuring terms of how wide and long and high and deep, almost like he's trying to get these people and us to stretch their minds and catch even the slightest glimpse of how unfathomable this love of God really is. If you stop and think about it, God so loved us that he gave his own son so that any of us who believe in him would have the gift of eternal life. Most of us don't love somebody enough to give our lives for them, let alone giving our life for humanity as a whole. But God did. God loved that much. And as he loved before the beginning of time, so he'll continue to love even after time no longer exists and we are forever with him. That should be a mind-blown moment for you and me. And the fact that God has chosen to lavish this kind of love on us, how could we not be changed when we live in that kind of love on a regular basis? And how could others not see the difference when we love from that place of God's provision? Paul is honest by saying this love surpasses understanding, yet it is knowable on some level. We can get a taste of it, and the more we grasp it, the more it grows in us, and flows through us. Lastly, he prays that they know this love that surpasses knowledge so that they would be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Notice how these words just keep building on each other and it's like Paul is trying to widen our mental understanding of just how big God is. Back in the 16th century, Martin Luther wrote to Erasmus and pointed out, your thoughts about God are all too human. And I wonder if that's partly why Paul is working so hard to expand our view. There's a tendency in all of us to treat God based on our finite and human understanding, causing us to miss his greatness and his vastness on so many levels. This prayer is that our hearts would be so captivated and infatuated with the goodness and love of God that we would literally feel like we've stuffed ourselves full of the best meal ever. That we would be satisfied and overflowing with the fullness of who God is and what he offers us. One could even give the picture of a young couple in love, and the intimacy created there as they build on the affection of one another and give of themselves physically and emotionally based on that love. There's a satisfaction and a filling up that occurs as they learn how to receive and offer each other out of that completeness and fullness of their relationship. God says that marriage is a picture of him and his church, and that is what we belong to, friends. We are his bride, and just like a smitten lover gives of himself freely to the one he has chosen, so God does the same in even greater measure to us. He wants us filled to the capacity with all that he offers and to trust that he will never disappoint us or let us down. That love will remain with us forever, and we can never fall out of it, finally or fatally, ever. Going back to how we began this episode, I think of how often we desire and pray for certain things for one another and mostly these are well-intentioned and good. We want health and prosperity and happiness for each other and when some of these areas are lacking we do what we can to ask God to help and also try to advise or support on some level. This is all important and a big part of healthy community but when we want the superficial things more than we want the spiritual things for each other when we're maybe praying for God's healing in a situation and forgetting to pray for God's strengthening to endure the trial or when we're praying for God to help with some financial trouble and leaving out the request for God to show his provision in a big way in their lack, when we're neglecting to expand our prayers just beyond the needs or when we're more concerned with each other's differences or opinions than we are with how each other's souls are, then that's a problem. We don't need to waste each other's time burning down each other's opinions or being more concerned with how our faith looks than what it is or even trying to fix what's wrong in each other. We need to be consumed with Jesus. We need to be so focused on making Jesus come alive in our own lives and praying the same for those around us that we don't have time to get caught up in the weeds that bog us all down in our relationships so much of the time. We need to lead with and be led by the love of God that surpasses knowledge. We need to be rooted and grounded in that love. We need to comprehend its vast entirety. And we need to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. We need to have Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith. We need to be strengthened for the journey of life by his spirit in our inner being. Living this way is the way to do relationship with others. It's the way to pray for and love them well. What Paul wanted for the Ephesians is what we should be wanting for ourselves and each other today. And I hope that as we celebrate this day of love and begin a new week, we can apply this on some level and start operating out of this place of abundance for ourselves and those around us. I want us and our circles of impact to look like that early church where they were of one mind and heart. They looked after each other well and they had all things in common. I think that's what Jesus wants for us too. And so now I leave you with the full text of Paul's prayer, which I now make my prayer for you as we leave today. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives his name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that passes knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, please subscribe to this podcast as well as leave a review. If you want to read additional content, please visit and subscribe to my blog at www.graceopens.blogspot.com. You can also connect with me on social media via Twitter at Open to Grace 2015, Instagram and Parlor at Open to Grace Alaska, and on MeWe under my name, Katherine Singer. I'll see you in the next episode, and remember, Grace will always meet you where you are.